I'm going to read the first three verses in Psalm 25, where David is lifting his eyes unto the hills, from whence comes his help. And of course, we know his help comes from the Lord. The Lord is the only Savior. If anyone is delivered from calamity, it is the Lord. Even though a lost person doesn't seek the Lord, if they're delivered physically in this materialistic world, it is the Lord showing mercies to them. And when you think about that, you see the Lord's mercies everywhere, all over the place. Psalm 25, verse 1. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Do not let me be ashamed. Do not let my enemies exalt over me. Indeed, none of those who wait for you will be ashamed. Those who deal treacherously without cause will be ashamed. So what you see here very very plain before us. You've got the word O, verse 1, O Lord, verse 2, O my God, which implies that there's urgency of spirit here. There is a lifting up of David's heart unto the Lord. He very much expresses to the Lord that it is to Him that He is looking and no one else. He is placing his complete confidence and trust in the Lord's actions to him. We could call that the Lord's providences toward him. And David is under distress. He's under distress because in verse 2, he has enemies. And David is asking that his enemies would not be exalted over him. In other words... When a person is exalted over someone else, they rule over them. They dominate over them. And David encourages himself in verse 3 with a promise. None of those who wait for you will be ashamed. That's That's an absolute given. Those who deal treacherously without cause will be what? Ashamed, And of course, what you have here in verse 3 are echoes of Psalm 1 and 2. In Psalm 1, the, the Psalm 1 man meditating in the law of the Lord day and night, his way will prosper. He's going to bear fruit in his season. In Psalm 2, you have the wicked that are seeking to cast aside God's restraints And they are attempting to set up their own king. And of course, when the wicked attempt to set up their own king, it's so that they can dominate or exalt themselves over the righteous, ultimately over the Lord. And David, in verse 3, basically claims those promises in Psalm 1 and 2, because in Psalm 1, the righteous man in Psalm 1 will not be ashamed. But the wicked in Psalm 2, they're going to be overthrown. They're the ones that are going to be shamed. So David is basing this prayer upon those two Psalms 
and the actions of the Lord towards two groups of people. Now what I want to bring out tonight is something that is here in Psalm 25, and that is David is going to ask the Lord to forgive him for his sins. And of course we know, I think we all know, we probably could all quote 1 John 1.9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, have you ever been in a position where you have asked the Lord to cleanse you, you've asked forgiveness, but what you find yourself doing is asking forgiveness over and over again. In other words, if 1 John 1.9 is in our Bible, and I confess my sins, is God just and faithful to forgive me? Yes. Okay. If I asked again, is that wrong? Or if I asked again, is it wrong? And what you find here in Psalm 25 is that three times David's going to ask the Lord to forgive him for transgressions. All in the same psalm. You'll see it in verse 7. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your loving kindness, remember me for your goodness sake, O Lord. So there's, there's the first one. Then you have another one. <clears throat> Verse 11. For your name's sake, O Lord, <clears throat> pardon my iniquity, for it is what? It is great. So David's guilt didn't just automatically go away when in verse 7 he asked the Lord, don't remember my sins. He prays it again in verse 11. Lord, pardon my iniquity. And he's going to ask it again in verse 18. Look upon my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. So everybody see that? Here we have, a, we have a psalm. It's intended to be sung. It's intended to be sung to the Lord. And in these verses, <clears throat> in 22 verses, three times David asked the Lord to forgive him. So I think we can walk away from this saying to ourselves, is it wrong in a season of prayer to ask the Lord to forgive us more than once? Or even more than twice? Or even three times? Is that okay, scripturally? And the answer to that is what? The answer to that is yes. Now, I think that's important because sometimes believers do get into a habit of asking the Lord 
to cleanse them multiple times. In other words, the guilt is just so great upon their soul. I want to look at these three times and I want to look at some characteristics of it. This isn't expositional per se, but we're going to note something here. That when we do pray, 1 John 1, 9, we do have some background on how we are to approach the confessing of our sins to the Lord. So let's look at the first one. Psalm 25. <clears throat> I'm going to begin reading in verse 6. <clears throat> Remember, O Lord, your compassion and your loving kindnesses, for they have been from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your loving kindness, remember me for your goodness sake, O Lord. What we have here is David asking for cleansing. And he's asking for forgiveness based on God's name. You'll notice here, verse 6, very first word, remember. You'll notice verse 7. He wants God to remember something, and He wants God not to remember something. Everybody see that? Verses 6 and 7. What does He want God to remember? He wants the Lord to remember His own goodness, not David's goodness. The Lord's own goodness. And he wants the Lord to not remember David's evil. And folks, we know that when the rich young ruler came to our Lord and he said, Good Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Our Lord said, Why do you call me good? There's none good but who? But God. David's acknowledging that. And he is also asking him to not remember his sins, both past and present. You see that? Verse 7, Do not remember the sins of my youth, that's past, or my transgressions, that's present. Is it appropriate? I mean, David's a believer, isn't he? He's been washed in the coming Messiah's own blood. He's put his faith and trust in the coming Messiah. And yet here he is asking the Lord, to for, not to remember the sins of his youth. And he's asking the Lord not to remember his present sins. Now he is asking for those two things based on the person of God. So look at verse 6 again. Remember, O Lord, your compassion... Remember, O Lord, your compassion and your loving kindnesses. 
Look at the end of verse 7. According to your loving kindness, remember me. Look at verse 10. All the paths of the Lord are loving kindness and truth. So he's asking the Lord to remember that he is compassionate. This is who God is. And he's asking the Lord to remember his hased, his covenant faithfulness to his own name, his loving kindness. And in between verses 6 and the second half of verse 7 is when he asks God not to remember his sins. So the basis of which he's confessing sin, he's basing it on God's loving kindness, and he believes that he's going to receive it because of God's loving kindness. Okay, now take your Bible and let's go back to Exodus 34 and let's pick up a couple of other things here. We know from Exodus 34 that in verses 6 through 7, God proclaims the name of the Lord. And we've seen in past months and years that all throughout the Old Testament, both the prophets, the psalmists, and God's people have based everything that they do based on this proclamation of who God is. So let's read it together. Psalm 34, Psalm 34, Exodus 34, in verse 6. Then the Lord passed by in front of him, that is Moses, and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate, That's the very first thing David mentions in Psalm 25. Compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth. Verse 7, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. Everybody see that? Okay. Everything that David's praying, he's singing to the Lord in Psalm 25, is based on this passage. Now I want to show something else because we're going to go back to Psalm 25 and you're going to see this again. If you go back to Exodus 33 and look at verse 18, when Moses says, I pray you, show me your glory. Now note what God says in verse 19. And the Lord said, I myself will make all my, what? Goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. So what does that mean for us? It means that Exodus 34 verses 6 and 7 is an expression of God's goodness. His compassion, 
His graciousness, His slow to anger, His abounding in loving kindness, truth, keeping loving kindness, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin. All of those things, brethren, are expressions of God's goodness. His goodness. Now let's go back to Psalm 25. And let's look at verse 6. Psalm 25, verse 6. Remember, O Lord, your compassion and your loving kindnesses, for they have been from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your loving kindness, remember me. Why? For your what? Goodness. Everybody see that? For your goodness sake, O Lord. And in verse 8, he's going to say it again. Good and upright is the Lord. So folks, he's coming to the Lord and asking for cleansing. And he's basing his asking for cleansing on the fact that God is good. And God forgiving sin is an expression or a manifestation of the glory of his goodness. And that ought to encourage us to go to God. (laughs) If I was to ask you, before we even start, if I was to ask you, I want you to raise your hand if you want good from God. (laughs) I think we all would say amen to that. And folks, part of that goodness is His compassion and His loving kindness and His forgiveness When you and I experience forgiveness, it's because He is being good to us. Does everybody see that? Okay, now, folks, here's something we can pull out of that. How did David know this? Because he had been meditating in the law day and night. (laughs) Right? He knew this because he had heard it taught and he had meditated on it and he had engrafted it. Or maybe as a king he had access to the actual scrolls. The king was supposed to write it out. He was supposed to write out the whole law. He would have written out Exodus 33, Exodus 34. But he meditated on it. And meditating on it directed his steps. And he based his steps and he based his approach to God on those passages. 
To me, that is wonderfully encouraging. (laughs) Because this is the approach that you and I should be taking as New Testament believers. When we exercise 1 John 1.9, we should be going to God not, not fearful, not brazen pride, but go to Him humbly and knowing that we can ask for goodness because He's good. And part of that goodness is that God forgives iniquity. And we're asking for iniquity not because we've got 1 John 1, 9 like a little lucky rabbit's foot that we have in our pocket and anytime we need it, we kind of shake it and it feels good. We're going to ask forgiveness as believers because we know who God is. And forgiveness is an expression of His goodness. Don't remember the sins of my youth or my present transgressions. According to your loving kindness, remember me, not my sins, remember me. I'm, I'm a Psalm 1 type of man and I'm basing my prayer on the fact of what you revealed in the first five books of the Bible about your name. And what wonderful thing it is to know that in verse 8 of Psalm 25, part of God's goodness is that He will teach sinful people the way they should walk. Sometimes we have an idea that, you know, God's up there with a big baseball bat and He's just like withholding everything from us until we're perfect, until we're utterly pure, until we can't find anything. Who does He teach? He teaches people who need forgiveness. He teaches those types of people His way. And folks, the only type of people to whom this applies are people who are sinful and who go to God in Christ and ask for cleansing. And when He teaches us, it humbles us. Sin humbles us, doesn't it? His teaching humbles us. No verse 8. Therefore He instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in justice. He teaches the humble His way. All the paths of the Lord are loving kindness and truth to those who keep His covenant and His testimonies. Now here's the second request. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. David didn't say, well, it was just a little sin. He saw it for what it was. It was a huge transgression when you compare our lives next to the Lord. And folks, isn't it true that proud people will not confess sin? 
Proud people will not ask the Lord to forgive them. Proud people will not seek the Lord's face and want to meditate in His law day and night. What are proud people doing? They're trying to cast God's restraints off of them. Proud people don't acknowledge their need for instruction. And folks, some of the reason why we're really not biblically saturated today is because we don't think we need the instruction. And we do. So because of God's name, verse 11, because of your namesake, all that you are, Lord, you are good. You are the Lord, compassionate, full of loving kindness, forgiving iniquity, sin, and transgression. This is who you are, O Lord. So pardon my iniquity, for it is great. And because David in verse 11 says that his sin is great, it means, verse 12, that he fears the Lord. And it is those who fear the Lord that the Lord will instruct in the way that he shall choose. And folks, what we have here is a similarity. When Moses heard God proclaim His goodness, why why was Moses up there? He was up there because the nation of Israel had sinned. A great sin. And right after that the Lord heard the proclamation of the name of the Lord, the Bible says that Moses fell on his face. And that whole scenario, he's pleading for the Lord to pardon that nation. This is what David's doing. But he's not doing it for the nation, he's doing it for who? himself he's doing it for himself and that brings us to the third instance and I'm going to begin reading in verse 16 turn to me and be gracious to me David wants the Lord to be gracious by forgiving him David wants the Lord to be gracious by delivering him. David is wanting God's goodness in his life. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lowly and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Look upon my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Has David been meditating on the Lord day and night? We know the answer to that is yes. Does he bear characteristics of Psalm 1? The answer to that is yes. But what's happening in his life is Psalm 2. He's experiencing distress. Distress was supposed to come to those who wanted to set up their own king and overthrow God's restraints. 
David doesn't want that. He is afflicted. He's isolated. He feels all alone. Being alone is an awful, awful feeling. Distress had gripped his heart. And so he wants those distresses and afflictions and those troubles in God's goodness to be lifted off of him and verse 19 to be placed on his who? On his enemies. Just like Psalm 2 says. And brethren, what we have here is three times David asking for cleansing. Do you think he got it? Do you think he got it because of his own goodness? Do you think the Lord taught him because David was more righteous than other people? David denies all that. But what David does express, now think about this, here's a man, a lonely, afflicted, Troubles, distress, lying awake at night, perhaps fretful. But in spite of all that, he's a man who says, I trust you, O Lord. Let's read it again as we close. Psalm 25, first three verses. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Oh my God, in You I trust. Don't let me be ashamed because of my enemies. Don't let me be ashamed because of my distresses. Don't let me be ashamed because of my sin. Don't let me be ashamed. Don't let my enemies exalt over me. but I'm going to trust in who you are. Indeed, none of those who wait for you will be ashamed. But those who deal treacherously, like his enemies, like Psalm 2, those who deal treacherously without cause will be ashamed. Now let me ask you this. How about our Lord? He is the Psalm 1 man. And He's at Calvary. Distressed. Troubled. Lonely. Isolated. All his enemies are down there below his feet, mocking him, scorning him like Psalm 2. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame of man. Indeed, All who trust in you will not be ashamed. And on the third day, 
the Lord says to the Son, This day I have manifested you to the nations as my King. You will not be shamed. What a blessing that we have to be able to approach our Lord all on the basis of our risen King and Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go to Him in